All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 394 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill. Today, we've got someone who's got snow issues. Yeah, that's 110 million Americans and a whole bunch of Canadians, too. Hey, eh, Mark? Yeah, exactly. How you guys all doing? I'm covered so, with snow here. Marcus Almighty, of course, on the board. How's your album doing? Good, actually. I, I'm been getting ordered left, right, and center. This is the most I've ever sold on a pre-order for a CD like since I've started, so... I'm extremely happy, and uh, I'm down to like four copies of book one on vinyl and ten copies of book two, and that's it. I have no more vinyl. I can't well, believe it. Like, get your really orders good. in, people. Pro- mm-hmm. uh, Project Gemini with a K and a M and E Y E at Bandcamp, yeah. and and check out his music. You can always listen to it before <clears throat> you purchase. Uh, you've been yeah. on any podcasts? You got any appearances? That you just want to quickly draw people's attention to. Um, not as of yet, but uh, this this coming up, there's going to be a few that I have in the works going on. Uh, Potter and Hell wants to do one with me. Uh, they also want to, There's also a new one from a guy named uh, Preston Preston Frazier who does a, a site called Something Else Reviews, and he started up a podcast a musical one. So there's a lot of things in the works. But you know, with Christmas and all that stuff that happened before, everybody was kind of laying low for a while, and now everybody's just getting back in gear again. So. Very cool. That gives me an opportunity to plug my shit because now I've been plied and plugged yours. Um, I'll, Thank you. I've, yeah, I've just been on uh, the the Booked on Rock podcast and oh, nice. over to the Aerosmith on Tour Facebook page. You can see all the details there. And I'll be on Connecticut Radio next Tuesday. And again, details are all that are on the uh, on the whatever it's called. Oh yeah, the Facebook. I refuse to call it Meta. All right, let's get into KISS talk. You know, this week we, we've had a couple of topics that have lingered on the board for a while that I wanted to have our turn at taking a bash at. So we often don't participate in those threads as fully as we do because we're going to discuss them here and see what our peers are talking about on the board. So um, let's get started straight out of the hat. Oh, yeah, I got a new hat. Right. The guy who didn't like my Boston hat. Um <laughs> This one's been around for a while, and it's Where's the Filler? Which Originals Era album had the most songs that you consider filler on it? Um, And and maybe we'll uh, throw in the Unmasked albums afterwards. So, Mark, you given any thought to sort of the original six? Those are kind of the holy book of Christianity in some ways that people really look back on the most fondly. Are there any of those albums that you think have a lot of filler on them and if so which um yeah look i know people are gonna right away say he's gonna go right to destroyer on this one i and i know it but the the fact of the matter is i i can't as a writer and as a musical person i can't with a proper conscience go and say that there's a lot of filler on destroyer because there really is they did work on a lot of material and bob Ezrin has not been known to be a filler sort of guy. Um, so, you know, sh- sure, throughout their years, they've had things here and there, like, you know, uh, Love Theme from Kiss could be looked at as a filler thing, which it obviously was. You know, you could look at Hotter Than Hell and say, that, you know, All The Way and songs like that are kind of, you know, could be looked at as filler. There ain't exactly, you know, classic songs by any stretch of the imagination. And there just isn't enough material, in my opinion, on Dress to Kill. It's such a short album, and they're all poppy, catchy songs. So I wouldn't consider that. So, when I think of filler, you know, although I love this album very much, I would say that the most filler to me comes from Love Gun. I mean, if you take a look at it, I mean, you got stuff like, you know, God Love for Sale, you know, Hooligan, Almost Human, you know, all that to me seems like filler to me, you know, and, and then the ultimate filler, then she kissed me, you know. No. I mean, if you, if you can't, if you don't acknowledge that that is filler, I mean, look at the rest of it. I Stole Your Love, Christine 16, you know, Shock Me, Love Gun, you know, like, I mean, compare that to the other ones, it, it's kind of looked at as filler, in my opinion. So how do you define filler versus, uh, a song, say, a throwaway? A, a song that, in my opinion, just hasn't given been given as much attention or love 
in the recording or writing process. That's what I look at as filler. It's kind of like, uh, shit, we need two more songs. Hey, Gene, you have any songs in that book there we can use real quick? Yeah, I got, uh, you know, I got Love for Sale here. Or I got, you know, Plaster Caster. I wrote that, you know, two days ago in 10 minutes. So, and I mean, and hey, he said it himself. He writes songs like, you know, people go through, you know, toilet paper. So just those songs to me, I don't look at them on the same level as like a song where somebody's been working on it for, you know, days and days to trying to get it just right. You know, I, Hey, that's just my opinion. You can say I'm wrong about it. I can already see in Ken's face. He's like, no, no, he's attacking Gene's material again. I don't like this. So, you know, correct me if I'm incorrect. No, well, there, you, there's no such thing yeah. as an incorrect opinion. Right, Ken? That's right. You know, everyone has their own opinion. That's, and that's all good. <laughs> uh, you know, um, on love gun, you're talking about then she kissed me, you know, that's a song that just, you know, they worked on it and they did it. It's a it's a well written song. The original is better, um, but they should have never, you know, uh, you know, tried to do that one. Um, if they were gonna do a copy, uh, they should have stuck something else in there. Um, so, but I don't agree with you know your you know got love for sale as filler or or almost human. I love almost human. I think it's a great song. I really, I love it. I love that song. But anyway, and again, that's just my opinion, which is your opinion. So, I, you know, yeah, Love Gun could be, uh, but I'm going to, you know, second album, no, maybe not. Uh, third, it's either between, for me, it's either Dress to Kill or the first album only because if you go, if you say kissing time, it's just okay. Actually, the first album's okay. So I'm not, I'm gonna go with just to kill. Whoa! Uh, and, and 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 you're not gonna believe this, Mark. Mm-hmm. Mostly because of you know, you know, probably the first three songs on the album. Um, really? Your service is okay. Yeah. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a good little rocker. But you know, Gene's songs. That's those are not his best. Yeah. Ladies in Waiting, yeah, two timer, uh, yeah, two timer. You know, they're they're good, but they're like you said, they're they're not finished really. To me, they're not really. They should have, you know, had like a a guitar solo in them, and they should have, you know, again, they're not finished. They're more like to me a demo. I think they could have done a couple things that make those songs better. Um, Otherwise, the rest of the album is pretty good. So I'm I'm just gonna say, um, and you know. The other part where they, you know, they stuck in the Aces uh, guitar. Though I love it, some may oh, consider that bottom. filler the lead into rock bottom. Um, yeah, well, um, yeah. Sorry, just 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 to jump on that point of it. They even said themselves when I read those in some of these books that when they were making that album, you know, the, the Gene and Paul would go in right for the first a quarter of the day, and then Peter and, and Ace would come in and they were rec- recorded like. Obviously, they didn't put in nearly as much time working on these songs yeah. as they did others. So that could be construed in my way of thinking as that's totally like filler. Like, you know, look, look you have a riff. I got a riff. Let's put it together. Done. We call it a song. Get Ace in here. Get Peter in here. We'll record it, you know, yeah, rather, so, than, rather than sitting around a piano with Bob and say, OK, well, here's a good idea yeah. for a chorus. I like this. No, no, let's scrap that. That's more worked out. Let, I can't let's really move the bridge Bob. and change the key. Right. Yeah. Oh, and add add a choir. Yeah. Exactly. In a symphony. <laughs> right. So I mean, the, the it's again again yeah that in that instance that album is you know is kind of rushed um, obviously, um, and that's the only reason I, I you know I don't hate those songs that I said are you know filler, but I just I said they could have been better, uh, or more you know polished or finished you know. Mm-hmm. I actually Do forgot you? to mention this at the uh, at the beginning because uh, there was a new podcast episode out episode episode out by Mr. K Super Show, the big honking boxer destroyer, with oh, yeah. uh, guest starring appearance guest star guest star Lee Conrad mm-hmm. from uh, History Science Theater um, okay. is on that, and 
they raised a, a point about one of Gene's songs where he went back and recycled for Destroyer something that had already been released on Dress to Kill. So that was like them, um, Gene trying to properly flesh out the idea, or maybe he just forgotten that he'd already used that riff. You know, Gene and Filler <laughs> seem to go synonymously. You know, hold on while I press the button on my Blendomatic lyric generator. <laughs> Boom, it's out. And then I'm going to use riff 359 plus riff 221 and melody. 13 okay there's your song paul fill in the words for me um yeah you know there there's a massive difference i think it comes down to both the albums that you guys both mentioned dress to kill and love gun now dress to kill i kind of i kind of consider a lot of those songs to be throwaways those are songs that are created under pressure of time and need rather than a lack of shit giving or, you know, just casually throwing out a song is what I consider filler. Or I can't be bothered to uh, work on the arrangement. I can't be bothered to refine it. Whereas we don't have time. Neil Bogart's cracking the whip. He's lit up his third doobie of the day and he wants that damn song done today. Um, you know, so two completely different contrasting approaches to what we would, we would generally, I guess, call... Um, less than stellar material yeah there's a paul stanley reference for anyone who's missing out on paul well a lot of people like the um the just to kill album because it's it is kind of in a raw form and and rushed it's more you know punk punkish rock you know in, in, to a degree <clears throat> um that that style where you just go in there you know crank out a quick recording and you're done you know but we put an album together um so I, a lot of people love that, and and, and that's fine, you know. Uh, I, and I, I actually I, I like the album, but uh, it's not my favorite one. But uh, I, I see why certain people, you know, uh, like the way that one was put together, you know, recorded. But the even, writ even written, you know, simple. <laughs> Keep it simple, <clears throat> right? No, I was going to say, sonically, it's also the, probably the best out of the three, sound-wise. I think, you know, the, you have to give credit to Whitman and, uh, you know, also uh, Bogart there for uh, getting it under yeah, control it there, great. right? It, it's, it is the best sounding of the three, you know, it, in my opinion, at least, too. But what about you, Julian? You didn't say which one you thought was no, the best. No, I, I, I didn't, get, I didn't get to that part yet, because I, oh, I think yeah. Ken raises a good point about the the songs on dress to kill but i also think a lot of those songs get a little bit more of a pass because they became alive and once yeah, those right. songs went sure. through the machine of being a core part of the band's you know final album prior to their transformation into big business um mm -hmm. you know that they they firmly cemented those songs as being greater than they perhaps sound or were in origination on dress to kill so once they're taken live they're fully validated. Some of the stuff on mm -hmm. Love Gun, number one, never gets widely performed live. Number two, when it's on a live two, it's faked again. Mm -hmm. You know, tomorrow and tonight, recorded li uh, live <laughs> in the studio twice. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think that makes that sort of song it is not only a throwaway, but it is filler tomorrow and tonight. Then She Kissed Me. I don't really consider that either i i find it more i define it nauseating but that's because i don't <laughs> like the song and i don't like where they were going with that because that was them you know having been polluted by the comics that was where they literally become a comic covering you know then she kissed me though i yeah. understand the reasons why because it was something that had been theme uh, a theme for other artists re-recording those sorts of songs from the early 60s and all of the well most of the band members would have had an affinity with some of those songs anyway so i get it on one hand but i also think it was pathetic on the other when you had a song like love bite which would have had more character at least you may consider hooligan a throwaway because it's not to your personal taste musically but at least it was a song that came from peter um in some way and yeah. they could have kissified <laughs> it much more than they did yeah. and they could have kissified love bites and not had anything to do with then she kissed me so in terms of the filler oh the fillers all over love gun because love gun is <clears throat> has highs that are mighty i mean come on shock me christine 16 i stole your love um you know those are highs i think plaster caster is a high 
but yeah. almost human is it a good song i like it but is it what i would call a fully defined refined and um well executed song no it, it's got a way to go mm-hmm. same with got love for sales got love for sale has promise and it maybe if it had become part of the live set on a regular basis it would have become more than it is uh, yeah. but it didn't <clears throat> so from those perspectives i'm going to say the filler from the first six is mostly on on love gun which is a shame because it starts off so well agreed wow. no no arguments with me okay you. listeners argue yeah. with my point of view please take me to task for being wrong uh lest i get too big ahead all right let's move on then have you ever been surprised that a song you've heard is actually kiss ken yeah just the uh and i guess in this circumstance it was when um when dynasty came out um and i actually heard the uh i was made for loving you on the radio we were actually uh, me and a couple of buddies were on our way driving down the freeway when we were listening to the radio am radio here in san francisco bay area um and they were playing you know we got a song you know from a from a you know an artist uh, and uh we're gonna see if you, you know anyone can guess who it is and they played it i didn't know i was like wait a minute this is so familiar in a way to me you know and i couldn't figure it out it, um which was surprising to me um but uh it turned out you know the big kiss i was made for loving you and uh so it was kind of shocking to me and and even the buddies i was with you know they were into you know into kiss too and they didn't they didn't get it either so um that was the the real surprise for me uh that song otherwise i've heard other songs later on that were you know kiss on the radio um when I think I saw heard tears are falling on the radio, and I'm like, it was the first time hearing it, and I get just just the the chords and everything, and just the way they perform, and then I go, oh, I think that's Kiss, you know, and so, but yeah, I was made for loving you. It's probably a lot of people I would say for that one, but uh, I don't know. What are yours, Mark? Well, there are a couple of circumstances where this happened to me. Um, being that I got into it a little later, obviously, than you did, Ken. Uh, but there was a few moments where I was kind of, like, taken aback. Like, I remember one time that was pretty, like, not recent, but more recent than, let's say, Dynasty, was the first time I was visiting my friend's house uh, when he was in the band with me that I, that I was playing in. Uh, he was playing something. He goes, hey, check this out. And he was playing something, and he goes, guess who this is? And at first, I couldn't get who it was, and then... I heard Gene start singing. I was like, oh, I go, it sounds like Kiss, but to me, it sounded way too heavy. And that's when I heard Unholy the first time. And I was like, oh my God, at first I didn't, I didn't get that it was Kiss. And I was really taken aback because it was clearly the heaviest sort of production that they had put to record in a, you know, who knows how long, right? So that was one of the first times that that happened. The other time that happened to me was a similar time where I got picked up by the same dude and I was in the car and I was listening to a CD with him in there and I'm looking around trying to find a case to see what he's listening to. And he was listening to Just a Boy, like Elder. And oh. that really was like, whoa, like, I go, this is Kiss? Like, because by that point, I was really back into my Kiss phase, but I hadn't stumbled back into that album. Like, I had, I had never really gotten into that album during the time when I was in the apartment building when my sister was in it with her friends and all that. That album was like a, a bad word amongst them they, they didn't mention it no one mentions the elder you know because they were those you know the typical 70s guys the jeans the cutoff jean jacket with the patches on the back you know the, you know rock and roll over man it's the fucking ultimate album you know those kind of guys so when you mention the elder they're like no, we don't know what you're talking about you know okay. kind of thing right so so when i heard that the first time i was clearly taken aback by it uh, the the dynasty thing, believe it or not, I wasn't so surprised by it because my sister had the 45 of it and was playing it all the time. But she did play, I believe it's Hard Times was the B side, I think, mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she she would play both. So at least 
it wasn't that big a shock because she would play that and then flip it and play it. And she just kept flipping it all the time. So you'd hear those two songs all the time. So at least I got, you know, the ace bit in there as well. But it didn't really surprise me that much, I don't think, because Jane listened to so many different kinds of, you know, records and music and stuff like that. So I was kind of used to a little bit of that kind of music, right? But clearly the unma- the, uh, the, di- the the elder stuff and the... And the revenge, the first time I heard it, clearly was as it was a big surprise, but in a good way at least. Yeah, for me it's, it's similar to you as fans of the later era, you know, well, later era, thirty-seven years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, un- unlike Ken getting to hear "I Was Made for Loving You" on the radio or "Tears Are Falling" on the radio, I didn't listen to the radio that much back in the day. Um, so my experiences with the Kiss albums were just going through them, catching up for the most part, especially for the classic ones. And then afterwards, um, you know, I, I was a little bit surprised with Unholy as well, because just where that falls time-wise, and first seeing that video and that image on MTV, it was rather shocking that they were that heavy. But then again, that song musically is not really that much heavier than, say, The Oath. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. In terms of <clears throat> dynamics, at least to me mm-hmm. and my taste, so it, it it wasn't that shocking that they were doing it. It was more shocking that they had, you know, that sound, that image, the the visuals, in, in that fantastic video as well. You're like, wow, that's Kiss. Uh, what have they been eating their Wheaties? Um, <laughs> so so that that was was kind of one that drew my attention. I guess another one. Um, I, I I guess Crazy Nights. Mm. Crazy Crazy Nights, the the, mm. the single. First right. hearing mm-hmm. that uh, and that what the fuck moment that I've always complained about as a new fan going from Asylum to cheesy, mm. polished pap was really a, more of a, sh- a shock value than surprise. Well, yeah, I was surprised that... Paul Stanley suddenly wanted to be John Bon Jovi or Brett Michaels or any of them. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? You're Paul Stanley, man. Shake him by the collar. Get yeah. yourself, get a grip. Um, you don't want to be them. They want to be you. You got it all ass backwards. Um, so that one really stunned me that it had gone kind of dancey, catchy stuff but yet it was still pure cheese like kiss has always been pure cheese in some ways so it's like is it that shocking or is it the similar thing to ken's dynasty moment with i was made for loving you just 10 years later so um i think then the other one would have to be in my head Mm -hmm. really That's, that's more wtf are they doing moment rather than surprise kiss is doing it yeah I, I, again yeah. i'm surprised kiss wants to be that band and, mm. and to do shit like that i'm i'm shocked i'm hurt i'm offended that they want to do that because that wasn't music that i was a style i was into so yeah. that that that's three i guess from uh different errors or errors of the band <laughs> as far as i'm concerned all right let, let's get negative for this one because i want to finish on a high point today and it's <clears throat> the greatest insult this was just posted uh yesterday and i'm going to read it because it, it has some valid points and obviously as we'll talk about some um completely <clears throat> invalid points and uh, it starts off uh, i'm a fan of over 40 years i love the band i love the legacy i've been to some amazing shows but now the gloss is really wearing off whether it's paul's scathingly well scathing autobiography bitching about everyone jeans over sentimentalism the hundred million albums sold claim or the dubai fraud there's one for you ken it's all looking pretty <laughs> crappy at this stage like a crappy end at this stage so it makes me wonder what do we think is the biggest insult they've like kisses an entity like voltron uh dealt the fans i've kind of accepted the lip syncing as at least we don't have to hear well how challenged paul's vocals are the greatest insult i mean I, I think that's a highly melodramatic way of putting it because there's not a meeting going on in the boardroom 
uh, saying, these dratted fans just won't fuck off and let us go. Uh, we're going to have to get together. All right, Tommy, wh- wh- what can we do that will really piss them off? Oh, what, you'll become ace? Okay. Um, Eric, what do you think we can do to really piss them off? No, it, it, it's almost taking the view that they're deliberately engineering things to offend longtime fans, and I don't think that is the case. I think for the past three years in particular, there has been a confluence of happenstance and events that have really culminated in everything going to shit um, Mm. with Dubai. I think that's a lack of planning, a lack of consideration on the part of the band, that, that once they took the money... They think, thought that abrogated them of any responsibility, even though sh- they shielded it to the fans. Um, mm. But, Ken, long-time fan. I mean, you're generally a pretty rosy guy about the band, you know, very mm-hmm. balanced, and you, you, you have your occasional, you know, you, you pop off on a quarter now and then, but uh, you stay very very mild and ma- well-mannered. Well, yeah... <laughs> I guess because I'm used to it. I've been around for so long. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, it goes all the way back to, um, yeah, geez, it goes back to even what is it uh, when they said uh, they wouldn't ever have Ace and Peter back in the band. Uh, and then they turn around, and, you know, they do the reunion tour um, and stuff like that. And and, you know, things like that really bug me is, you know, trying to hide things. Uh, I guess it is from from the fans, such as Psycho Circus, um, so, you know, saying that, oh, yeah, we, we all, you know, played, you know, all the instruments on every song and everything. Mm-hmm. Um we didn't have any other other people on there. It was just a four, and you know, just you know, just be truthful about it, um, stuff like that. But um, yeah, the the Dubai thing, um, yeah, they're putting their name. I mean, it, it got it's gotten to the point. You know, you know, if someone will pay them enough money, yeah, they'll put their Kiss logo on it. It doesn't matter, right? Uh, whether it's booze or whatever you know else um and and it's kind of that's become kind of like okay yeah we'll just take the money and run like you were talking about with dubai um yeah like we you know we did the concert we got a lot of money we set some guinness book world records and, and and that sort of stuff but i don't care after that it's out of my hands and it's that third party they're gonna have to they're just, you know, they should be doing their thing. But you know what? It's your name still on it after you've taken the money. Your name's still on it. You need to make sure that uh, the fans are taken care of who spent all that money, to, you know, uh, on this, on that live performance. So that's an important thing. And then the one other thing that constantly happens or or, usually it's you know it's usually gene says you know we hear and we obey you know (laughs) you're the you know the fans we listen to our fans no you're not you're not listening to your fans Mm -hmm. i think you know like for instance a lot of the fans have probably asked for maybe at this point now that paul's voice is shaky or whatever um it's less but you know it's like you know record an album for your fans, you know, they want it. They seem to think uh, it's not important because you know they're not going to make money off of it. Um, well, you made a lot of money off the fans <laughs> in the past for all the concerts that you know we've attended and, and albums we've bought and merchandise that's been bought, posters, dolls, this and that. So it's you know that that really bothers me. Just do something small. I mean, it's, it's, I don't think it's that difficult. So what? You may lose some money on it. I don't think, actually, I don't think they'll lose money on it. Um, but anyway, I, it's, I could go on. <laughs> Obviously, um, there's, a, there's a lot of things that uh, I know bother the fans in different ways. Um, and uh, But those are some of the things that you know really bother me. Okay, Mark. What do you well, think? 
Well, I, I think that uh, kind of brings up a couple of really solid points. For example, the Dubai thing here. Okay. I know that I, I can't put myself parallel to KISS as far as, you know, running a record label or kind of thing like that. But I'll tell you one thing, though. I don't care how big a band you are. If you are out there marketing yourself in this situation and putting out a product and saying that you're going to do this stuff for your fans. And like you said, Ken, their big catch line for all this year, all these years was we hear, we obey. Okay. If that's true, if this is your line that you use to say how much you care about your fans, then this line has become an utter joke now, in my opinion, that this, that you don't hear it. You don't obey shit as far as I'm concerned, because this should have been rectified long time ago. I don't care what the, the, the business arrangement is with this company that's handling it. If, if it, I couldn't rest if I knew this was happening in the background. If I was KISS and I knew that all these people were not getting their stuff, it's flooding the internet, people are bitching, complaining about it, I, I would step up and say something. I mean, like I said, I run a very, very small operation, but if I even get one or two people that message me and say, listen, I haven't gotten my record yet in the mail, you know, I know I live in Australia, so I'm going to give it some time, you know, but I just wanted to let you know, I, I, I've sent out records numerous times, extra ones at no cost to the person because I wanted to make sure that they were happy and got what they paid for. And it's happened multiple times where the people writing me back and say, hey, Mark, I got your record, plus the other one showed up too. Do you want me to send it back? Do you want to do And I just say, listen, just give it to a friend, you know, pass it on. You know, don't send it back because it's probably going to take another 15 years to come back to me, right? But at least this way, you know, the people are happy. That is the most important thing, I think, in this business that people overlook is that if you want to have a successful business long term, you have to keep the fans happy. I mean, sure, Kiss is already ending their career now. They've been in it 50 years. They probably don't care, give a shit as much anymore about it because they're winding down. But come on, man. If you stand by those words that, you know, we're, we're here for the fans, then, you know, step up, Gene. Step up, Paul. Go to this company and say, listen, I've read a lot of shit on the Internet about this. Something's got to be done about this. Not, to, not you know, next week, but now, you know, because people like, you know, Ken has spent hundreds of dollars. Julian spent thousands of dollars on this stuff. And do you just expect these people to just swallow it and just, you know, go on with their lives? I, I wouldn't, man. I'd be, I'd be, it would be haunting me, honestly. Maybe they're not that way. I don't know. But that, that would really bother me. And that really bothers me as people, for like them as people, that they would allow that to happen. Now, the other thing that I just wanted to bring up really quickly was the other thing that I found a bit insulting, and this is kind of like how I got a little bit perturbed with Metallica years later, was that, you know, don't say something if you're not going to hold yourself to it. Like Metallica back in the days were like, we're never going to do a video, dudes. <clears throat> and what did they do? They made not one, but several dozen videos. Like, and, this, and the same thing with Castillo, these guys were always saying, we're never going to do any kind of, you know, tapes. We're not we're not gonna have you know backing tracks and this and that and bam they're doing it that that to me I would be less insulted by it if they never said anything about it and then they started doing it I'd be like okay well whatever they have their reasons Paul's voice is going and this and that but you know what if you're gonna go out and make such a grandiose statement and then you go back on it that to me I I don't like that better to say nothing and just have happen what happened than to just go out there and say no. These bands are they're fucking idiots. They're using backing tapes. Kiss never did that. Look at us. We always go on stage and we do everything live. Well, guess what? Now your foot's in your mouth and almost down to your ankle in your throat. Okay, with that. So, uh, I that's one thing that I find really insulting. Just don't don't ever make comments like that. Let that be a lesson to other bands too. Don't make grandiose statements like that if you know you're not going to be able to hold your end up of the boat with that. You know. It's the ghost of the Michael Jackson doll. Should never have mocked <laughs> Michael Jackson on stage in the 1980s. Yeah. He died and he came back and got you, Paul. Um, he sure showed you. I, I, I think from day one, nearly day one, if you think of Rock and Roll All Night being the band's anthem and its signature song as much as Beth um, competes with that mantle, mm -hmm. read the fucking lyrics. 
you drive us wild and we'll drive you crazy. And boy, don't they. Um, <laughs> they they've never hidden their desires. But, again, we get to the merchandising that they will slap their frickin' faces on anything for a buck as long as they get paid up front. And then the dolls can look like melted plasticine stretchy things or whatever that amazing elastic guy used to be. Stretch Armstrong. Yeah. You see some of the faces on those dolls? It's like, you actually give a shit about selling your branding to put on garbage? Uh, just junk I, that that I'm more insulted on um, than anything I mean Dubai yeah they they got paid and we got screwed um, and and that that's not an insult to the fans as much as the overarching thing of a mentality is as long as we get paid as long as we get paid mm-hmm. screw the little guy you know that that's just someone who's lost touch with it but it's our own damn fault any fan that ever yeah. accepted we hear and we obey is really you know pushing the bounds of reality it's such an empty piece of rhetoric because that's not how it works they're the band where are the fans you're either a fan of what they do or you're not you are not the one that's directing their direction or shouldn't be now, I know in the 80s they sent out questionnaires to fans about what they wanted for the next album. Yeah. But I think mm-hmm. that was because they had lost touch with themselves. They completely lost the plot, um, you know, once they started playing Chase the Tail rather than Be the Whole Hog. Yeah, Gene, Maybe. there's one straight back at you. <laughs> no, it's Paul Stanley. Whole <coughs> Hog. But maybe, maybe the, instead of we here in obey it's 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 we hear it and you pay yeah <laughs> you know one way one way or the other but and the I'm... other the other quick thing on that is uh you know i we've heard about you know someone saying you know doc is is work you know doc mcgee knows about it is working on it or whatever um yeah i don't see any you know traction on that or whatever but it it is possible that gene and paul don't even know <laughs> And about what's about the Dubai thing, about the merchandise, what's going on there. Um, It it may be one of those things, oh, we don't want to bother, you know, like Doc, uh, I'm not going to bother them with this. If as a a manager, you don't tell Gene and then he posts his blathering braggadocious, here's my my gift certificate with, ooh, look at at me, look at me. And then people chiming in, ooh, you're an asshole, you're an asshole, where's my shit? You saw the, yeah, the... uh, the, the awards, right? Uh, um, yeah, they were printed out at Kinko's posted. that morning. About the Guinness, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> he knows about that, but yeah. Um, he, do you know that, you know, there's still, it's not fulfilled. <laughs> but um, how could he not know, Ken? I mean, how could he not know that this is happening, okay? I find that incredibly hard to believe. I mean, even if he's a very seldom user of the internet, okay, any band who has a decent manager, and I'd like to say that I think Doc McGee's decent, okay? Maybe he isn't the greatest manager in the world, but, be, but he was known to be up there as one of the better producers in rock music, okay? They, he, he must know. He must at least keep Gene in the loop about what the hell's going on. And especially if he's going to start getting heat from fans, getting email from them. I mean, I'm sure he's going to spread that love to Gene at least to see what the hell's going on or what they can do about it. The fact that they've taken this long to do it, I think, is personally alarming because they they have, you know, at least some clout to step in and say, listen, what the fuck is going on here? At least tell us what's going on and we can inform people what's going on. At least they could come back and say, listen, we finally got a hold of them. Listen, we're six months behind in pressing. So the records, they ain't coming anytime soon. Or, you know, we're having trouble with this and that. Cargoes are, cargo ships are held up in sea or something. Or who knows what. But tell people. They're not telling people. Sure, that's the main thing. People hate being put in the dark. Yeah. We can't get rid of the Guinness guy out of the film. We're having technical issues. <laughs> it just won't go away. Yeah, because I can't imagine Kiss wanting to ever release a product with that twit in there. And I'm sorry, I equate what Guinness has become as being basically the Walmart of records. Yeah, it's it's just bullshit. It's like buying a square foot of Scotland to have a lordship, 
you're, you're a freaking idiot. Uh, that's not how it works. So, but I think some of the, the comments that people come up with, you're the enemy. Okay. I think that was a mistake to go out there, and it certainly is an insult, literally and figuratively, but there's another way of wording it, of uh, we, we don't want you to kill us by your choices. Um, you know, you're, But then again, the band can't really say anything about COVID after going on tour during a COVID spike, and you know, True. everything that went with that, how many audience members got sick. Uh, they don't seem to worry about that. Um, how they handled the Eric Carr situation, that's a that's an interesting yeah. one, but I, I don't think any of us really know enough about that situation other than hearsay to be able to formulate a reasonable opinion. I know that some parties have said some things and other parties have not. I don't have enough information. I just know that it didn't seem to go as it should, and Paul has spoken of regrets. But, you know, a, an insult to the fans... No, that's not, that's an insult to Eric and his family. Um, how long do you have? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, these are good. I mean, I saw this thread and I fully expected to open it and see a picture of a saxophone necklace. Ooh. Oh, this yeah. That's called. Ken, did you buy one? No, uh, no, no way. <laughs> what the hell for? <laughs> What about that new Italian pressing of Love Gun? Have you, have, you, have you gotten one of those? <laughs> oh, I do have. It's the Italian pressing of Love Gun is is on its it's on its way. It's what it's taken a long pressing? time through customs and stuff. So, but Di it's on its Agostini way. pressing of oh. Love Gun. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Something like that. I I I'm not buying any vinyl these days, so I, I'm not paying that much attention. Yeah, that to one I decided to to. Take yeah, because they, Agostini did a whole run of Beatles records. There, there, there was that was a, there was a guy who had a podcast channel, and he had a hell of a trouble with Agostini getting his stuff because he ordered it and he would get it delivered to his house, and they kept sending him Sgt. Pepper like every month instead of the correct one. So he kept having to send it back, and he would record his conversations on the phone with customer service. It was a nightmare with D'Agostini, apparently for the Beatles stuff. But it's interesting that they picked Love Gun, and rumor has it that that's the only one they're going to do. I was interested to see if D'Agostini would go back and try to do like or at least like all the original albums, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, there's more vinyl coming as well, because someone jumped the, jumped the gun and posted a picture in the Kiss My Wax Seems. Facebook of Union. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it looks like double yeah. LP reissues of both uh, the studio albums, and mm. apparently Bruce has commented on a post elsewhere, uh, a possible bonus track. So who knows what that means, yeah. especially for Blue Room. I don't remember there being anything extra other than some edits. Um, Who's releasing that? That is going... That, that's a whole different entertainment group. They're, I know it had been previously announced like a year ago, but they've got a, a new uh, record company that they're working with on that. So the official announcement on that is going to come on March the 1st. Um, I don't care. I've got the music. I don't need vinyl, though. The yeah. Blue Room's got a real cover. Way better than that previous, whatever that was, cover on the, mm. on the CD. So that'll be interesting. Let's move into... Get off the 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 insult one because <laughs> that, I, again I think people's perception of how a band insults them or offends <laughs> them it's hard for me to really focus in on the negativity when I look back to my feels from that show uh, in Oakland in 2020 yeah, Ken of course you know, yeah. because that just you know I know what it was I know it was entertainment I know that it was a show rather than you know live 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 um, but it was fun it was fantastic it was bombastic it was great songs so you know yeah. even Dubai I'm on the hook for that as well I'm as screwed as everyone else is yeah, yeah. Um, but I can't do anything about it I could I email Doc yeah to what point others have already done so yeah. could I could I even could I get in touch with Gene? No, he blocked me on Twitter years ago, and I have no idea why. Um, um, so I, I can't control anything about that. Do I control my reaction to other things? Yeah, uh, the thing I complained about them slapping their names on anything, I choose therefore not to buy that shit. 
It's easy. I'm you done and dusted. To, right. I, I do it. roll my eyes at some of the things that they announce or some of the sure. um, these anniversary edition chalkies that they come out with. But then again, I just say to myself, that that's not to my taste. So I'm not going to get butthurt about it. I'm just not going to buy the shit. Um, and I know some people will, and it'll be up on eBay <laughs> with all the other yeah. crap they overbuy <laughs> and they'll never get rid of. So it's business. All right. Yeah. So th- this... Uh, Last topic. I think this was yours, Ken. The best 30 seconds of a Kiss song. Ooh, are the be- that was the best 30 seconds of a Kiss song I ever had. The first first 30 <laughs> seconds of a Kiss song. I saw that uh, post um, on the board, and and I thought, oh, yeah, oh, I, th- I thought about that. We never really talk about that. Um, and uh, a couple of songs came to my mind. Uh, I, I'll just uh, reel them off. A few songs, um, at mm. least. I mean, there's more, but. Um, the first one that popped in my head was I Stole Your Love. Um, that was the first one that I thought, just a, I mean, th- they used that, you know, at the beginning of that, you know, uh, Detroit Rock City movie. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it was just perfect. It's just the perfect, uh, you know, rock and, you know, in your face, you know, entry of a song. Um, and it's just a fantastic start. Um, so that one is one of them. Uh, another one is a, I always like the beginning of a hundred thousand years. Um, you know, with the, the bass intro, you know, a couple of times the bass, a couple of picks on da dum, and then it goes into it, da-dum, 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 and goes on. And I just and then it builds. Um, uh, so that that was another one that uh, I really liked the first thirty seconds of uh, another one is uh just a, to me is just a great riff you know uh uh warm you know or maybe sick of it now but the war machine mm. um, just a <clears throat> great another cool riff intro even dr love you know it's, it's just a great beginning yeah. of some of those songs so there's a lot and and one thing i did notice when i was going through these uh some of the songs i just was going through some so i think i like the beginning of this one they all, most of them, they get to about 20 seconds, and then usually after 20, it's like a standard almost. And they get to 20 seconds, and then the vocals come in, you know, just shortly mm-hmm. after 20 seconds. A lot yeah. of them that are that yeah. way. Not everything, but a lot of them are like that. Yeah. So, what do you think, Mark? Well, a couple of them immediately came into to my mind. It's funny, you mentioned a, a couple of them there, and most of the ones that you picked out started on guitar. Like I stole your love, War Machine and stuff like that. It's funny that whenever I think of the best first thirty seconds, to me, it always seems to start with drums. Like King of the Nighttime, uh, not King of the, a uh, King of the Mountain, yeah, is the one right. that right away I was like, wow, this is like one of the best intros of a song that I've ever heard for sure, easily. And with that said as well, one that immediately came into my head, and I remember the very first time I heard it. And this is, you know, when I had when I heard it on the original version, like long before they did the 2014 reissues, was I Love It Loud. You know, when I first heard yeah. that the very first time, I was like, wow, like, what the fuck? Big drums. Yeah, like, yeah. wow, this is such a, what an sure. intro that is. I mean, sure, we're sick of it by now. And also, I, I bought this compilation video when I was in the KISS convention days on Creatures of the Night, and they showed... I love it loud on that comp video so many times that I was so <laughs> sick of that song. By the end of that video, I didn't want to hear it for like half a year. I was so <laughs> sick of it. Every three minutes they would be playing it, you know, because it was always these television clips and video shows and <clears throat> oh, it was a nightmare. But anyways, that that song stands out immediately as a song that I was like, wow, what, a, what an intro that is, you know? And, and I mean, the, the other ones that you mentioned were good too. Like Doctor Love is a great intro on guitar, right? So, songs like that, I think, definitely stand out. Even if you want to go back to the very beginning, Strutter, yeah. you know that whole yeah. drum intro there. You yeah. know, it it definitely catches your attention right away, and is something that I think is important for a song. You know, you want to hook the person in right away, yeah. and hold them. And those songs, I think, are all. Uh, you know, songs that do that. 
Yeah. All right. To close, I'm going to go with mine. Ken, great one with "I Stole Your Love." I would that would have been my 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 straight up pick. Um, <laughs> but I think the oath. Yeah. Great big chunkin' bombast and such such a false advertising for the rest of the album. Um, <laughs> I think Mark will probably be with me on this. King of the King of the Mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mark said that. Yeah. 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 Um, Sorry, I, I was distracted. The uh, Talk Shop Live autographed <laughs> copies of Destroyer became available again. Wanted to grab one. So, um, come on and love me. Again, just the guitars and mm-hmm. how it all begins. Great 30 seconds. And then finally, Rocket Ride. Simple, mm-hmm. kind of easy, well, but mm-hmm. just so kind of signature. Sure. Yeah, I, again, there's a lot of strutter. Uh, yeah. yeah, that one... And again, that takes me back to the cutting room with Peter doing it with the with the, the brass, just mm. how it, it's changed up. And yeah, that's that's a great one. Yeah, there's a lot of songs that have a great first 30 seconds, but most of them are also going to have the best, you know, really good for the rest of their seconds as well. Very few of them only have a beginning and then sure. suck ass. Because uh, at least <laughs> yeah. from, from, from that perspective, knows how to start off a song catch your attention um or they're going to fail completely to your taste because the song's just not gonna it's gonna be body and soul um so there we go there's there's a bunch of kind of randomish topics this week um show would have been a little bit longer had weather not affected our, our fourth guy today but there you go what do you think of those what what do you think are Kiss's biggest insults towards their fans, and I don't think they've ever done it deliberately. It's just happened. Things haven't worked out. I don't think they ever sat down and say, how can we screw these people? How can we maximize revenue streams? Is not the same as how can we screw them and make them upset, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because they are a business, and again, yeah. go back to my comments of they're the band and we're the fans. That doesn't mean they've gotten it right. Um, what do you think are the best 30 se- first 30 seconds of a Kiss song? And is there any Kiss album in the original Kiss canon? We didn't talk about Dynasty. That you think is too much filler and not enough killer. And we'll talk about the unmasked albums in some other episodes. So for now, from Mark, Ken, myself, thanks for joining us. Thanks for participating on the board. You guys come up with some fun topics. Uh, Chime in wherever you've listened to this show, and we will see you next time. Bye for now. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.